0: This is a podcast about our lived experience, which unfortunately includes infant death and subsequent mental health struggles. Please take good care of yourself and only listen if this content feels safe for you right now. We'll still be here when you're ready. Hi, I'm Juna. And I'm Melina. We are internet friends turned real life friends who both experienced the tragic loss of our sons to sudden infant death syndrome in winter of 2021.
1: In the year after Aiden died, my husband and I both became unemployed, my parents divorced, and we had to move
0: five times for various reasons. And as for me, just a few weeks before my son Quick died, my then husband had come out to me as a transgender woman and we're subsequently divorcing. It's been a lot. (laughs)
1: It's
0: been a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But as long as we're living, we will love our sons deeply and work to make sure that we live a life that makes them proud. Welcome to As Long as I'm Living podcast. We're so glad you're here.
2: I, I must say, you guys are pretty cute with your microphones and your heads. I know, and you give me such a hard and time your... about my audio, but we look
1: legit. No, I only <laughs> gave
2: you a hard time about your audio at the beginning, not oh, now. We made progress. Make made right. progress. Yeah.
1: Well, um, I guess, Alina, should I introduce my own mother? <laughs> introduce your mother for us. Okay. Well, today we have a special Mother's Day episode. And instead of talking about what it's like to be lost moms, we thought it would be Fun to talk about what it's like being a lost mom's mom. So I want to introduce my lost mom's mom. This is my mom. Hello. <laughs> her name is Marlene. I guess, Alina, you can call her Marlene.
0: Hi, Marlene. with
2: Alina. Yeah, it's so nice to see you on chat. Mommy, you know what's so funny? Remember when you thought she was a murderer? No. I questioned if it was possible that because you were going to a small cabin in the woods. <laughs> With a stranger, which is exactly what I've told you your entire life (laughs) not to do. Thankfully, Alina is
1: not a murderer, and we're all still here now.
2: Um, But, okay,
1: so I think, what Alina and I discussed a few questions that we want to ask, but I think it would be helpful for everyone if we could just give people the context of what our relationship looked like before last year.
2: Well, I'd like to describe Judith's personality, from birth really, Judith um, has is almost always happy. She's bubbly. She's a joy to be around. When she was a child, not a you know, five, six, seven, she was the Pied Piper and all the babies would follow her in the park at um at our place of worship, at our synagogue, she was the organizer, and everybody loves Judith, of all ages, and um, especially children. And that's how she was an adult, as an adult, an organizer, a leader, a um, a happy person, a very very happy person.
1: I would say that we are like. We get along really well and we're friends. But I'll also add that I moved out of the house at 18. And when I had moved home to L.A. for COVID, for Aiden to be born, that was the first time that we lived within a couple miles of each other as adults ever. That's true. I moved out and I went to college. So I would say, like, the context of Aiden's birth is that it was kind of an exciting time for our family because we thought that for the first time ever, like, me and you and our, my husband and um, and daddy, we would all be together. Like, it seemed right. like something that was idyllic because yeah. we never had that. You know, it was always right. like flying for
2: holidays, flying right. for occasions. That's right. Like, this
1: was the first time I could go over and, right. and borrow a plunger. Right.
2: right. So, and and it was such a hard time because of COVID. It was nice to have a friend. It was nice to have a friend. It was friend, nice to have a family nearby. Pod. We didn't yeah. have a pod, my husband and I. We did not have a pod. So we became kind of a pod.
1: So I would yeah. say when Aiden was born, it was really um, the first time in a long time that things seemed, it seems easy to be a family.
0: Yes, you know? easy yeah, a family. very easy. Hey, I love hearing about Judith from your perspective. <laughs> <really awesome.
1: laughs> I mean, when we travel together, like there are so many, we're like booking wrong flights, wrong days, <laughs> but it all works Airbnb's. out it all works out it always works out we have a few but, arguments um, yeah but you know what when me and my mom are together with my husband he, poor thing poor it's thing it's just like double me. <laughs> yeah. For, um,
2: yeah.
1: okay so I guess the first so I moved back to LA in November and then Aiden died March 4th and he had been born in December so um the first, let's just say like the first few months of me living there were perfect. I mean, Aiden, we lived in your house for the first few months, and, like the first few weeks. And, which like, was not the plan. Which was not the plan, but we just needed extra help. And it was easy to have you guys around. And, um, so and I we took moved, the
2: early mornings.
1: And you took the early mornings, the 6 a.m. shift. Right. So it just, it was working and everything just kind of felt like, like, almost like a TV show, right? Like, it just right. kind of felt like right. a TV show.
2: Everybody had their roles, and we were Everyone all so happy with that beautiful little baby. We were all so baby. happy,
1: and we all ate dinner together every night, and it was really nice. Um, and so then Aiden died, and we don't have to talk about that day, but um, I guess Alina and I really want to know, like, from your perspective, well, what we was...
2: Well, the-, the only thing I w- would want to interject there is that you were had just gone back to your apartment regularly.
1: Yeah, we had just moved out of the house, right. which I think is a blessing.
2: Me too. I Me, think too. It's a blessing.
0: Me um,
1: too. So we we just gone back to the apartment, and we were like getting into our own routine. And then Aiden died, and we immediately left that apartment. I didn't want to even sleep there that first night, and we moved back into your house. So what was it like? for you to watch those first few days, or that first, let's say, month? Like, what was it like in those early days for you? It
2: was hard. It was horrible. It was horrible. It was horrible. Um, you were crying. You were angry. You. We were all crying, but you especially were crying. And you were so angry and upset. and um, And people... Just like in your previous podcast, people didn't know what to do for you, and so they sent food. And um, I took the first week off, and that was good. Um, I tried to drive you wherever you needed to go and, and keep you company and be there for you.
1: And also you didn't trust me driving.
2: Oh, that was for sure. I remember you called. Oh, when I went back to work, you like that first day you called me and you were driving somewhere, and I, I was – freaking out because I just, I could tell you were so in another world, and yet you were driving on the freeway, and it was terrible. It was hard not to walk out of work and um, go find you. For me, as bad as the days were, at least the days gave me purpose, but even worse, and what haunts me all the time, were the nights. The nights, um, the nights were horrible because you would come into our room at two o'clock in the morning or one o'clock in the morning. And I'm not at your house now, but even when I hear steps here, where I'm staying now, in the middle of the night, I I wake up expecting you to be walk, running into the room and sobbing. And
1: um, I was gonna say, like that first night.
2: Oh, those for that first night.
1: I came into your bed.
2: Yeah. It was horrible, all three of us were crying and sobbing and hugging and but there were so many nights where you woke up and came to our bed, and it was just um, it was hard, I guess just being woken up from a deep sleep for such anguish, and to hear your daughter cry like that, sobbing I mean it's hard enough during the day, but I think at night it was even worse and then I I pretty much kept everything in when we were all together during the day. But at night, you can't do that. You don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. Everybody is so low. You know, the nights are bad. I never knew. I had never known grief like that before. When my parents and my in-law passed away, they had been suffering. There was not this shock. And I had seen people who had had shocks, but I had never experienced it like that. And and you know how you always read about how the nights were worse. Well, we asked for some of the wrong medications. We should have asked for other medications. <laughs> we should have. We should have asked for Ambien. We should have asked for something to make it so we were all sleeping.
1: Yeah. And what about, I mean, you had also lost
2: Aiden. So I have a very, very, very close friend, and he always... He called every day, probably more than once. And he said, I, I can be there for you, Marlene. No one is there for you. I can be there for you. And he was. My husband went back to work. He works from home, but he, um, it was a very busy season for him. And the way he dealt with this during the day was to just close the door to his office and go to work. So I had a friend who was there for me, but it wasn't the same. As close as he is, it's, it. He wasn't living it, so it wasn't quite the same. And I didn't want to tell him every, he knew everything that Judith was going through from his work, that's his work. Um, And he would talk me through it and I couldn't have done it without him.
1: Because you felt like you just didn't know what to do with me.
2: I didn't know what to do other than hug and cook and clean and open the door for all the people who were coming. I mean, so many things I did wrong. I well, we asked were going to ask you not oh, one,
1: but we're, we were going to ask you, like, what are some things that you feel you could have done better, and what are the things you did that you could really well? have I could
2: have stopped people from coming as many as came. I could have said, "Okay, that's plenty of time." You know, I could have said, "Hey, Judith, really, it's too much for her. More than ten minutes, because you were already grieving and exhausted in another world, and to have to and have all these other people."
0: Was worse.
2: It made it worse.
0: Pre-loss, she would have had it under control and, and oh, taken care of it. One hundred percent,
2: one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And then the other mistake I made, which I didn't really realize until I listened to this podcast, um, was that we—I tried to talk about regular things.
1: Yeah, I remember that.
2: Distinctly. Yeah, and, I remember
1: uh, so many meals, like after where you guys would just try and talk about normal
2: things. Right. We shouldn't have all eaten together. Um, I could have done that differently.
1: Just because, well, let's just explain that for people who maybe are going through it now. From where I was sitting, it felt like people were just trying to, like, move forward and pretend it wasn't happening. And I would felt like I was screaming in pain and everyone was just trying to pretend like it wasn't happening. And I think sometimes acknowledging it and just saying, like, this is so painful for you right now. We don't have to talk. We can just sit here quietly.
2: Right. That's what I would have said. We were not, we absolutely were not trying to ignore it, but we just didn't know how to deal with it. We didn't know how to do it. Because
1: it made you uncomfortable or because you just didn't know what to say or you didn't know how to make it better?
2: Because, you know, sitting in silence is hard. Yeah. Sitting in silence with four people at a table is terrible and and your husband tried so hard to make conversation so there wasn't silence. You know, he was trying to do what I was trying to do and that was a mistake. We, I should have just, I should have listened to your silence and it would have been okay. I think that's one thing of advice I would give to a parent is just let everyone be silent and if you just have to eat in two minutes and cry the whole time, then that is what needs to happen.
1: What about having us live in the house with you? I mean, did you ever wish that?
2: Never, not once.
1: Even though, like, you needed space too?
2: Never, not once.
1: You wanted us in the house.
2: I wanted you in the house.
1: I have a question about, um, I mean, one of the things my sister said to me when we had gone to a therapy session, and she was like, I just thought, like, when I first saw you after it and died, you were gone like on the inside like there was nothing behind your eyes is that something that you felt too and did you think yes did you worry that I would never come back of course
2: of course but my friend kept saying it'll be okay she'll come back you'll have she'll be different but you will have her again but it's really hard to see at that point it's really hard to believe that that's going to happen
0: could you talk for a minute about what changes have you seen in Judith? I mean, some I'm sure are hard, bad. Some are maybe positive. I'm wondering if you could talk about that. I would love to hear.
2: She's sad. Judith, who was yeah. never sad, never, never. Sad. That the only time I'd seen her, she got angry. She there were times where she was angry, like uh, once a a work thing didn't work out at all, and they really were nasty to her and. I happened to unfortunately be in the car with her when she got that email. <laughs> email That was a bummer. But, but, so mad, sad there, but that was nothing like this. That was nothing like this. And so it was hard to see, to wonder if that personality would come through again. And even six months later when we went on a trip, there was, a you know, some bad moments. Some very very bad moments and and um, and it's hard to see your child crying on the floor. Um, and it wasn't until I listened to I, I listened to this podcast. I listened to Judith had me read something that the floor is a safe place, and I didn't realize that it, you know I didn't know that. How would I know? Even my friend who was my counselor, my therapist at the time, that friend he didn't even tell me about the floor. <laughs> so. <laughs>
1: Because you're um, saying you'd come in and I'd be on the floor and you would right. know
2: what to do or think. Right. Oh, that friend of mine, he said, let me, I can do anything. Just tell me what I can do. And I said, find a therapist. That's what I need. I need Judith to have a therapist. And he found her therapist. He did. He found her. And um, And the therapist gave Judith directions to give me, and that was... What to say every day, what to do every day, what to, what to do. And that was, then it was easy. Do you remember what the advice was? What would I tell you to say to me? Well, having it in my phone still. Actually, I, I, I wrote it down, but then I forgot to look at it and I never, and then I stopped doing it. And then she had to remind me and she got upset. Um, tell you I'm here for you. I, can, I will do anything you want for me, that you need me to do, that I love you, that I'm here for you that i um that you care and that i care that that was the one i kept forgetting (laughs) to say because i just feel like i didn't need to say it i think it's just so of course yes and i care i care i care and what would you say how would you say i've
0: changed for the better
2: better for the better
0: By okay. the way, we've talked about this on the podcast. We talk to each other all the time. There are these gifts that come with loss. We would turn them in in a heartbeat. Right. right. <laughs> We're talking about the positives. We are. Oh, okay. we are these are consolation prizes. I
2: think that she has a deeper meaning of life. That when you experience death and when you experience so many other people who have experienced death of a child, that you become deeper. You're a deeper person. There is more there. It's not just happy.
1: Like on some points that's harder because I'm sad more often. But the other side is that you have more depth of emotion for all capacities.
2: Yeah. All capacities. Yes. You have capacity now to give to your daughter. You have capacity to give to me when I'm old or to daddy when he's old. (laughs) You have capacity to not to be so short, so like patient. You have more patience. That's the word I'm looking for. You have much more patience, much, much, much more patience. Much more
1: patience. I think that is true. I think I do have more patience.
2: And you have found a way to find your Zen, even if it's for a short period of time. Because you didn't have any Zen before this happened. <laughs> There's no Zen. I have no Zen. <laughs> and Judith also has no Zen. We don't. I don't
1: have any Zen, but I found it. Like I'm i am better at just sitting still and doing nothing.
2: The baby Aiden died in March, and we went to the beach during the summer. And Judith would sit on the beach. You were just—you were just breathing, and you weren't thinking about it. You were meditating. That's what I'm looking for. Wow, meditating, Judith. Those that's those, nothing more on there.
1: <laughs> I think that's true. That's true, right? It's true. true. I think there's um, another thing. I Like in our family structure, I think that for a long time I played a role um, in the middle of everything. That is know? true. And then when Aiden died, I had to step back. From everyone and everything,
2: and it was very hard for the rest of us to step into the middle.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I think in some ways, some some ways people have stepped up, and then I think there are just some things that just like don't happen or or wouldn't happen or don't you know just don't get done because I can't do them and no one else takes them on, and there are just things that like I never stepped back into
2: doing. I agree. When Aiden died, uh, one thing that I have learned from your podcast and from Aiden dying is how important it is to talk about Aiden, to speak about him all the time. All the time we speak about him, you know, not every day, but certainly regularly. And it's nice that Judith has pictures of him around the house. And it's nice that that he has, <laughs> I came home from work one day and there were pictures of Aiden all over the <laughs> house. <laughs> Yeah, and um, I put them on the fridge. Everywhere. Yeah, it was good. It was good. I've, I've learned, because Aiden died, I've learned how to sp- speak to people who have had a loss as opposed to, I'm so sorry, or, you know, what people say. You know, you've heard them all. You, you know them. I don't have to yeah. remind you of them. But now, now I'm much more aware of my speech yeah. when I'm around people who have lost parents or friends or anybody. What about like the things that we
1: do to remember him, like the
2: birthday parties and the when we plan the thing well, at his grave? I really something? like that. I I really like that. Um, I mean, I messed up this year on his anniversary of his passing. Um, you didn't I, mess up. I didn't mess oh, up. I made it at a for me. I made it for a time, and I, um, I organized people to to pray for him at a a certain day. And all I I asked for them was to take a picture so I could show Judith. It wasn't the day that Judith wanted. It was a day that I chose that I needed. And I was so excited that people, seriously, from all over the world were doing for him. And um, I started sending it to them, but it wasn't the right day. I think that that's
1: a perfect example of like, the fact that you're a grandmother grieving your child, your grandchild, and you have needs too. Like, you also are grieving. And you put us and our grief first so often. And, like, sometimes I think I forget that other people are grieving too.
2: I would say that that's probably true in this case. You were not happy with me. <laughs> <laughs> I was not happy you. were you. at at and getting a new phone, and I was sending you... Yeah, WhatsApp pictures of people in in Japan. other countries praying. Right, it was definitely difficult to get at the AT yeah. <laughs> and T store. Difficult, and I patient. should have. My intent was to keep hold of them all and put them in like a um, I don't know something online and then give it to you. But Life I was busy. I dropped that ball and didn't do it. <laughs>
1: Let me ask another question, which is, sure. I think a lot of the family dynamics changed also after um, Aiden died, certainly with my
2: sister and I. How was that for that you? That was horrible. That I hadn't thought of that. Um, that was hard for me. It was really hard. It was hard. It was just really hard.
1: What do you mean? Can you explain further? You,
2: it, one of the one, most. One of the most wonderful things in our family was the relationship between the three of you, especially between sisters, and um, and that was damaged. It was hard. It was hard for the two of you. I mean, I. It was just, and it was hard as a mother to see it. Yeah. And you kept saying you take her side. She would say she took your side. I would say I'm not. I'm trying not to take anybody's side, but nobody believed me. And my son was going through his own stuff. And I was so afraid that he wouldn't graduate for COVID because he had COVID. And then, and then online was really hard for him. And then Aiden died. And it was just, wow, I hope he can just please just finish May, Just finish. Just get, just finish. Yeah.
1: It was kind of like everything fell apart.
2: Yeah. But Ilana, Ilana, she did, um, she did, I thought, I thought she did as best as she could. I really, I really do feel that she did.
0: Taking as, her side now. You see, there you
2: go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> see, you know, this is this is the thing that happens, though. It's really hard because it's nobody's fault. Like, the circumstance is just so tragic that everybody's doing the best they can and Maybe. everybody's intentions are good. And, and it, it so is
2: hard that people, that the best you can is not the best that you think they can. That's hard, too.
1: And you really have, I mean, like, yeah. you, I can imagine for you, you had... Everyone having competing needs that are in conflict Absolutely. with one
2: another. 100%, like I think
1: 100%. about my brother's wedding, which was yeah, like horrific. Horrible. 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 But like you had a son who was getting married and a daughter
2: who was having situational changes. In, in <laughs> situ- <laughs> That's to put it mildly. It's true. <laughs> I mean, it was just it
1: was like how could you watch like one daughter on the floor Throwing cake and your son getting married. Like, yeah. (laughs) Talk about competing needs. Right. Your son needs his family to be there and your daughter does not want to be there. I don't know how you balance that.
2: And it wasn't, and it was a, a completely a hundred percent legitimate excuse. You know, it's if it's one thing when a sibling says, oh, "I don't like her, I'm not going to that," you know, because yeah. it's ridiculous. But this was this was a tragedy. This was absolutely. It was fun. It was, it was understandable. Oh, you know what else I was going to say is that I'll tell you one thing that. That I learned listening to your podcast again is that. Judith, I feel, was very angry about family members not meeting Aiden. Yes. And I feel that Judith absolutely 100% put COVID aside and nobody, and that was not a good enough excuse. But then I heard Alina on the podcast talk about how her family did not meet Quinn. No, they did meet yeah. Quinn. They quit him for two weeks
0: nice try, <laughs> That's <a good> try. <laughs> my family was my family only had to drive right and i will say a lot of my family did not meet him the the his aunts and uncle met him but but the and again they only had to drive but the rest you know people extended did not get to meet him
2: i guess i could say that that some people met him but others did not yeah. And I
0: felt that the,
2: you were, um, it was hard to get over that. Like you're, you were. You feel it was unfair for me? I do. I do. I, I felt that your amount of anger towards that was unfair. But you know, uh, those okay. family members. <laughs> yeah, oh. sorry. <laughs>
1: <That's it. laughs> I'm going to defend myself. <laughs> well, I, 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 those family members. Are making efforts to meet the new baby. Oh yeah, everybody is rushing. To do Everyone's this. scared, right? But you know what? To me, it just reinforces my feeling about it. I feel even more strongly that um, that it matters now that I have pictures of all of the cousins together, uh-huh. and I have pictures of the baby. It's like it feels like such a gaping hole. And it feels like it's easier for those people, this is just my feeling, um, to not acknowledge his existence because now they have something so concrete that they are attached Mm to. It's like the pictures or the video chats, like that's nothing. They got to hold her, but they didn't even get to meet him. Like I feel even more strongly about that. But I can understand that you're saying you feel it was unfair.
2: And I'll say that at least in our side of the family that people – have made a heroic effort to speak about Aiden and to say, oh, this baby looks just like Aiden's Even if it's just the pictures, doesn't he look like him? And compare how she looks to his picture on the wall and things like that.
1: Yeah, we have made an effort. I think that that's something that's really important to me. And I feel like yes. I go above and beyond to make sure that yes. I talk about him to
2: excess. So even other people... your nieces and nephew, your niece and nephew yeah. speak about him. And yeah. what makes me happy is what Judith has taught us is that her niece and nephew who are small speak about him without any hesitation. Much more hesitation happens with adults than with yeah. kids. That's right. Judith. Yeah. Um, her niece broke her leg and Judith wrote on her cast and she included Aiden and it was nothing. It was as if it, w- it was so normal. It was yeah. so normal for her, for her. And nobody thought twice about it.
0: Kids are not as weird about, the, about Kids it. Kids are as not weird as weird too. about it. So I have two questions I sure. want to ask you. Sure. I would love to hear you share a memory of Judith as a mom to Aiden.
2: Well, my husband and I both commented about how natural it was. Um, I think one of the hardest parts, and I think Judith would agree, was that she had, because everyone was taking care of them, um, she laid in that bed with that baby on her chest for many <laughs> weeks. Yeah. And, um, and he was missing and that and she it just she just fell into it very naturally not the mechanic stuff like what to do about this or or why is he doing that and he was just being a baby right he was just being a newborn and all those things that were happening to him were normal she really fell into those look at she took those pictures much faster than I ever would have taken pictures um like a for, formal pictures of her and her husband and the baby and Aiden and I'm so glad she did that we 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 all cherish those pictures even more now. Like we went to the, we took Aiden to the beach when he was, I don't know. How old was he? He was three weeks. Three weeks old. We took him to the beach and, and she was trying and she, it was a beautiful day. Winters at the beach are special on nice sunny. In California. In California <laughs> on sunny days. They are, the air is perfect and the water is perfect and the sunshine is perfect. And, Judith was facing the water, and she couldn't keep the shade onto Aiden. And I said, honey, just turn around. And she didn't do it, and she didn't do it. And then she finally turned around. She went, oh, he's fine now. (laughs) Things like that. (laughs) Things like that just. just, just, That was was a funny moment. (laughs) We both laughed about that moment. You know what? You know I like tell a memory about my mom.
1: <laughs> so didn't like wasn't pooping because he was like four to six weeks. He was like in that stage. He wasn't pooping, and my mom, I, I like we didn't know what to do, and she was like, "Oh, I know what to do. We just need to give him some prune juice." But I guess like we didn't have prune juice, so you took a prune and you mashed it up. One you mixed it in water. Right. You like made your own fruit juice, and then we right. called my sister after, who's a pediatrician, and she was like, "You cannot do that." <laughs> <laughs> she, she was like, to... "Babies cannot have fruit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I didn't know that newborns couldn't have water. <laughs> like, what the <laughs> heck? She said, (laughs) said, their little kidneys cannot handle it. I went, okay, well, we're not doing that again. That's (laughs) what I remember. (laughs) All
0: right. And then my last question for you is I would love for you to share a memory of Aiden because Judith talks about how special and sparkly he is. And I never got to meet him, but I would love to hear like from your perspective, what was so special about him?
2: Well, first of all, he loved music. I play a very loud and obnoxious instrument called the banjo, (laughs) and I'm not that good at it, Um, and yet he was quiet. And once she, maybe more than once, but once I was in a lesson and Judith needed two hands, so she put him on the floor on a blanket looking up at me playing in my lesson, which was on Zoom because it was COVID, and he laid there and just listened. His eyes were wide open the whole time. The whole time. Now, my husband leaves the house, but Aiden stayed right there and was it. And then there was another there was a holiday that we went to that involves a lot of singing. And because it was COVID, it was outside and it was um cold because the first one was at night and she bundled them all up and put them in the stroller. And my husband said, he cannot interrupt this. It's, It's like this chanting. He can't interrupt Judith. He can't, you'll have to leave. He can't interrupt. He can't interrupt. He can't interrupt. That baby was awake the entire service and not a peep out of him. Not a peep. He loved music. He loved sound.
1: And singing.
2: And singing and, um, And at the end, you know, that he had a beautiful smile. And I remember once, right, it was probably that week, Judith put him in front of a mirror. And he, I I thought he was, well, he was very advanced, of course. (laughs) (laughs) And he, a genius and advanced, but he was probably only 10 weeks old. And she put him in front of the mirror and he saw himself and he, he was smiling and he had this cute little dolphin laugh. And it was just so, I don't remember having two and a half month old and having that laugh and those smiles yet i know six weeks my kids my kids started to smile but n- not like that
0: um so my mom's gonna join i would love for you to stay on and we can you guys can meet briefly before we do our okay. conversation sure, That'd be great. um judith do you have any other questions for your mom it's just so emotional yeah yeah it's hard yeah, yeah it's hard. really hard my
2: other my daughter said, my other daughter said, you're doing that? It's going to be so hard. And I went, yeah, but I got to do it. So, look, I made it to the whole end.
0: Well, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I'm
2: happy to do it. What would you tell other lost moms? moms like To go else? with the flow, <laughs> to <laughs> just follow their lead, to not make any fuss over the laundry or the dishes, That was one thing I did right. Don't ask them to do anything. Don't expect them to do anything, but just let them not do anything.
1: Thank you for taking care of me.
2: It was my pleasure. It was my honor. It was my honor.
0: My mom's here. Oh, good. (laughs) Hi. Okay,
2: I have a question for you before. I'm Marlene. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Did you, Did you think it was odd that they were going to a cabin in the woods together with never meeting each other? Not only
3: did I think it was odd, it was extremely out of character for Alina. Oh. And with all the crazy stuff going on on the yeah. internet, I thought, oh, she's just, some guy's just going to be there and he's going to kill her. So, um, <laughs> and she, because she was very clear about how you won't be able to contact me. Um, there's no internet. I'm like, okay. So, first of all, you don't even like the woods, number one. And two, you can go with a complete stranger who I've never met or seen and who probably doesn't exist. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: Right. I tried to explain to Alina how in-character it was.
2: I was oh, like, for oh. Judith, it was completely in-character, 100%. I was like, this isn't weird. We're just going to go. Um, and, when, and when she told us Alina's story, I said, well, nobody could make that up. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, so well. I'm going to share a little something right now that Alina doesn't know. So I was freaked out. And, you know, she wasn't really doing great also. And I, I wasn't sure about her judgment. I have a close friend who known Alina since she was five years old, Di- my friend Diane. She's a really good sleuth. So I'm like, I, I looked at Judith's name. I, I, you know, I got you to give me her first and last name. I looked her up. I couldn't really find anything online. I'm like, okay, this person doesn't even exist. So that's what really convinced me she didn't exist. Uh-huh. My friend Diane said, I found something after, you know, hours of searching. I found something online about... A loss of a child with that person's name in like a newsletter for a synagogue. I'm like, okay, so then that's clear. Oh, I
2: real. (laughs) That was that was good sleuthing. That was good sleuthing. That was you didn't see my excellent soccer scores? No, I
3: did not. it was really crazy, but but um I, I was very sad to hear about your loss, by the way. But I just um it was a huge relief.
2: I, I'm sure it was. I asked Judith's husband if he thought this was safe and he said sure. And I'm like, Oh my god, you are clearly not in your right mind either even, even
3: Alina's brother who's like as low-key as they come I said don't you think that's a little odd and he said yeah it's totally out of character for Alina but of course nobody would say anything to her right. but me I always have to be the bad guy
1: right well I'm sure no more. you didn't know I mean who knew I guess I could have been a stranger but I kept telling Lena, I was like I'm five feet I was like I'm five feet and 110 pounds no 120 pounds <laughs> I was like I promise I couldn't do anything if I wanted to I'm nothing I'm useless and half incapable because i can't get my yeah. life in order
2: but i'm i'm sure seeing that announcement made a big difference yeah it, well it did because i thought that's that's a really long game to kill yeah. alina
3: <laughs> to come up <laughs> with that person with. That's right that's right. so i mean i know I, I shouldn't make fun i have a little bit of a dark sense of humor as well no. so but i i you know I, it was a big relief to know that judith it seemed to be a, a, a real person
2: very nice <laughs>
0: That's well, so, thank you so much, Marlene, was, for joining
2: us. You're welcome. Really you're welcome. It. And it was so nice to meet you and well, see you both. Yeah. <laughs> I know. All right. Bye, mommy. Love you. Night. Oh, I want to say also on the on the same theme is that I did look at all your pictures on Instagram and he was a beautiful baby.
0: He yes, is a Quinn beautiful loves. baby,
2: that Quinn. Thank he is. So and there's a cute one of the two of you looking at each other that's very, very special. Very special. It really it was really nice to see.
0: Okay. Love you. Bye. Bye. So everybody who's listening, meet my mom, Alina's mom, Michelle.
3: Hello. So nice to be here. Seeing Judith for the f- first time in person is nice. Live and moving. <laughs>
1: Alive and moving and a pull of yours. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, so I wonder, I want to start with, if you could, I want to hear from you, if you can just describe what I was like before the loss. Like, what was I like as a person? How was I as a child? Talk about me. Alina
3: was really a super easy kid. I mean, she was demanding, like intellectually demanding. In other words, she liked to talk. She asked many questions. She kind of always was on until she went to bed. She was a good sleeper until 5 a.m. And then she was up and ready to go for the rest of the day. Um, But she was we used to joke and say we still joke and say she was like three going on 30. She was independent from the get go, did not want help. Um, Aunt Susie has a. A, a very sad, but you know, we always laugh about how she tried to take her hand going up the steps when she was like three years old, and she said, "Aunt Susie, I don't need you." <laughs> 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 that was my sister's heart, because who doesn't want to be needed by a child? Um, yeah, so she was always super independent, always prepared, always really, almost always pretty cheerful. I think I maybe gave her a timeout. I don't know. I can say probably maybe three times in her whole childhood. Um, a punishment for Alina would be like, I'm going to take away that, you know, if you're not going to, whatever, I'm going to need to take that book away. Cause she was she really loved to read. Um, she was outgoing and friendly and, you know, had a lot of friends and was kind of a caretaker to her friends in many respects. I'm definitely a caretaker to her brother. She's really spoiled her brother. Um, <laughs> and, um, just was, you know, just always self-reliant, resilient, and, brave in so many ways it was really well liked by parents and kids alike and you know she was just a very likable in um in many ways just a very easy child to have um yes
1: (laughs) i i can see that i can definitely see that and i think it's interesting because i know we'll talk about it later but i only know alina after the loss Mm -hmm. and it's like you can see shadows almost Mm -hmm. of that i see like an echo of that, a different version of that exact same person that you're mm-hmm. describing with maybe like with trauma. Yeah. A, yeah. a messy <laughs> version of that.
3: <laughs> so so I will say, I don't think I have said this to you before, Lena, and maybe this is not the right time to say it because maybe you're going to ask about this, but yeah. I like a couple of weeks after the baby died, right? Obviously it was just like awful and devastating for all of us, but Diane, my friend, Diane, and my friend Josette, and my sisters, I remember sort of saying to them, okay, now I'm going to get tearful already. You know how Lena always had that bright light, you know, and a sparkle and kind of an effervescence about her? I feel like that light is dimmed and I think it's dimmed forever. Sorry. Um, And my friends were like, and my sisters, no, no, it's not dimmed forever. You know, she'll she'll be okay. She's going to come back. And so that was really just hard because um i mean it wasn't like she wasn't an amazing person still but i just felt like you know with all of the suffering i mean and of course the situation was just so crazy all around that i just felt so um devastated because it just felt like such a loss of her as well um and not just in terms of, okay, she's suffering this loss and she's pulling away and she's needing to do certain things to take care of herself. I mean, that sort of was expected, but just that, that she might never really be able to find that light again was really hard, um, to deal with as a mom.
0: Is it, so some of that I'm sure is, is you feeling the loss on my behalf, right? right? But I also, I would love to hear if you can talk about, we talked about this with Judith's mom too, like my role in the family. Yeah. Like how did our dynamic change as a family after that?
3: Um... I mean, it was one thing when we were all living together, right? That was a different sort of thing. When you went off to college, of course, there was a much more of a separation of, you know, you weren't really involved in as many activities and around as much. And
0: Right. Well, and I, I moved out at 18 to go to college and I would spend the summers at home. But really, by the time I graduated college, I was kind of like off. Yeah, you right? never really came,
3: came back to live. And so... Um, I think that there, so there was, I mean, and that's a whole other thing that's not not related to today at all, but when they leave home is like the dynamic completely changes, right? So, um, Mm -hmm. but but then I think when you got pregnant, I felt a a renewed sense of closeness. I mean, I think I would have described this as close and being able to talk about things. I mean, you were always kind of a private kid, like to solve your own problems. I mean, as much as that can distress me at times a lot because I feel like an outsider, I I think you could get it from me, (laughs) so (laughs) I can't really fault you too much for that, although I think you're a little bit more of an extreme in that respect than than I am, but I, you know, I I do see that part of myself
0: in you, and so that's challenging, because there's nothing I can do about it. (laughs) I I will say, I will say also, like, I also felt like when I got pregnant and the excitement of the Mm -hmm. baby and (laughs) all of that, I also felt a renewed sense of closeness as well. Not even like a, it wasn't... um, renewed so much as just a level that wasn't there before because you know it it's not like it was it had gone away and come back it was like just an additional level that we couldn't have had before because i wasn't a mom Mm -hmm.
1: like you you share with me like a little bit about what alina's like if like you know in the family meaning you know is the party starter is she where does where would she be in terms
3: of like I wouldn't parents. say she was like ever kind of the party starter, the life of the party, but she was very much um, in terms of, and I'll just talk about extended family, even she was definitely yeah. a focal point of a lot of uh, attention and energy, I think, because she was pretty, she was like a little dynamo um, in her own mm-hmm. way, a, an introverted dynamo. And so, you know, she always had a lot of things going on. She was always involved in a lot of different things. She definitely. um was high energy and pretty engaged
0: person. Um, on and I can remember on family vacations or at family get-togethers, like I would very much be present with everybody who was there, right, and, and rallying the troops. The cousins might be, you know, going and doing something else. They might be in a room by themselves. But I was, I would always be out and about with everybody having conversations with the grandparents, having right. conversations with the aunts, right. like always very much like in with whatever the mix of whatever was happening with the group. I was very much an active yes. participant
3: in all of that. And Alina always was... Um... Always gravitated towards adults, I would say. I mean, or didn't have yeah. any, um, didn't have any hesitation to just hanging out with the adults. And my, you know, we call, they call my sisters and I the sisters. And she would do things with us and have fun. I think for the most part, that's my impression. Anyway, um, yeah. So she was a little bit of a like, okay, like an enthusiastic rallying. But when she had enough, she had enough. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and that was hard for some of the more extroverted people in our family to manage. Um,
1: And so I know, Alina, do you want to start with where we started, which is um, the early days?
0: Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about, so we're, I don't want to necessarily just for like my own mental health and yours, probably, I don't need to talk about like the day he died, but if you could talk about like the early days or like the first month, like what was that like for you?
3: For me or in relation to you? Both. Yeah, it was, well, so I know that you've said and I, and I may have said this as well to you, but I, I know that you've said that, you know, obviously the day of Quinn's death was the worst day of your life and you've survived it, right? And so I think it's sort of a, a different, I mean, it's an, an experience I wouldn't have anticipated. Well, obviously the death I wouldn't have anticipated, but even in thinking about it from an intellectual standpoint, it was the worst day of my life as well. And that doesn't often happen, mm-hmm. right? With people where, and I'd say it was absolutely the worst day of Neil's life and my you know dad's life too. Um And I said to somebody recently, what started out last year is my, what felt like really my most joyful life. It was his birth. It was more joyful to me than the birth of my own children. Um, And so quickly it turned to shit. I mean, that's what I tell people. It just was (laughs) like, it turned to like the most joyful time to like the worst time of my life. And it was a really hard year. Those first couple of months in a way were almost less hard than as the year progressed. Because there's a sense of numbness. There's a sense of like activity, right? You're sort of focusing on like trying to get Alina and um, Kaylee meals and um, trying to, you know, Bill also needed a lot of support. Um, Bill is my dad. Sorry. Um, And I mean, not surprisingly. um, And I just, I feel like I have a lot of people that I really can count on for support who I can call and talk to really close friends and my sister's. And so I, I think he, I always th- feel like he didn't have the same level. So I feel like I was his main support person and that was very hard, um, and challenging because I was not doing great. Um, and we had all these other transitions going on at the same time, you know, we had moved up here and, you know, we'd had a lot of loss. Yeah, actually,
0: I don't know that I've talked about that much on the podcast, but so for, uh, for anyone who probably, uh, I guess they don't know this, but so my parents lived in, um, New Jersey, that's where I grew up. And, um, Ten days before Quinn died, my parents moved to Massachusetts Um, with, you know, the uh, assumption being, the intention being that they would be able to be more active grandparents, be more more of a help to me as a, you know, as a new mom. And especially with COVID and I didn't, you know, necessarily want to put Quinn in daycare. You were going to be taking care of him for some of the hours of the week. Mm And yeah, so ten days before he died, you moved up hmm so the timing and was, I was by myself
3: was... dad was not up here yet so yeah. he had gone back because we still had stuff there and he he wasn't going to see the baby anyway or in you so he had gone back to new jersey with neil and so i was up here on my own and so yeah it was awful but i mean i i would have all, had also a very supportive workplace i was working remotely up here but in new jersey and i was really afforded as much time as i needed and so that was really nice and helpful but i think the hardest part well i mean no it's not the hardest part the hardest part was the loss but is not really knowing how to help other than like bringing food because um you didn't really seem like you wanted company or support and when i say company it's not like i thought we were going to have a social get together <laughs> but um you wanted to just kind of tuck away and isolate. And that was really, really hard because I just felt like, and I would say like when my sisters would say, well, how's she doing? And I'd be like, well, I haven't seen her. All I needed to do was sort of like set eyes on you. And then I would, could, I'd be like, okay, she's, she's okay. Um, So we would like, I would bring coffee over honeydew and um, a donut to Kaylee and Alina, just because I felt like I needed to see their phases. Um, Even if it was for five minutes, because when you don't have that context, it was easy. And also what you're hearing is sort of the worst of everything. It's really hard to think you're like you're, I mean, and I know you didn't feel like you were functioning, but like that you were upright. Yeah. And I didn't really have a concern about your safety. I I really didn't, but I did have a concern that you were, could just fade away, I guess.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because, because, Judith is an extreme extrovert, Mm -hmm. I would say. I would classify you as an extreme. I would say less so
1: now than I was
0: before. But I would
1: say definitely I'm an extreme extrovert, yeah.
0: (laughs) The difference between how we both responded in the immediate aftermath of the loss, you very much wanted to be crying with other people. And I very much wanted to be crying by myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. I
1: also, I also moved into my, Like talk about opposite extremes. I moved in. My mom, she just spoke and she spoke about how I would crawl onto their bed mm-hmm. at two in the morning to talk about, I think that this is just a good example of how people react so differently. You wanted to make sure, and my mom probably wanted me out of her bed. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> she was ready to kick you out of the nest at a certain she, time. She, No, I think that she was, I don't know. I mean, I think that she probably wanted sleep.
1: <laughs> I don't know. But um, I guess it's good to hear how different people respond mm-hmm. because there's no right. There's no wrong. We're just completely different people. Right. So I think that's really interesting.
3: And mm-hmm. And I think also I just was so, it was frustrating. I mean, I wasn't mad, obviously, but it was frustrating and upsetting because I didn't I mean, I felt like, does she, does Alina not know that I, that I just want to be there, that I don't, we don't need to talk. I mean, I'm, I do, I am a talker, but I'm also like, I can sit for hours with somebody and say nothing and feel perfectly comfortable with that. And I thought, for me, a presence of somebody can be comforting as long as they're not smothering me or talking. Um, I sometimes... Other people have the tendency to talk too much. I just need to be quiet and in my own head. But I feel like I could do that, and I would say we could just watch a movie together. And she'd say, "No, that's okay. I'm fine. I'm just gonna be on my own." It was hard because I had no idea really how to help her. What was yeah. from your perspective, like
1: what was? Do you even remember your mom wanting to come over? And do you yes. remember? And and yes. what what was your thought process when she'd be like, "I want to come and watch a movie,
3: mommy. I don't need you.
0: I don't need you." <laughs> <laughs> even to this day I I do tend to withdraw. I think my it, it doesn't really feel I remember saying I don't know to you Judith, I remember saying to you know my friends, uh, other friends in the early days like I can tell my mom just wants to be there while I'm sad. You know, like I felt like you wanted it wasn't even that you wanted to see me sad, it was that you knew I was sad and you just wanted to be there, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to be with Anyone, mm-hmm. there was no, there was no part of me that, when I was in those really bad states, like really bad days, really bad moods, really bad state, there was no part of me that felt lonely and like it would have been easier if someone else was there. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I had to listen to that because, it, it, I, I couldn't. I knew for your sake it would have been helpful for you to be around me, but I couldn't do it for you. Mm-hmm.
3: Just I kept sort of trying to open the door to some just some conversation and checking in. And you were like, no, no, no. I don't ever want to feel like I'm on the sidelines of your life. And I want to add one other thing. When you asked about Alina as a child, I mean, she was always independent and didn't really express a lot of feeling and emotional stuff. I mean, you, you did always kind of t- want to deal with stuff. You know, so it is, you know, it is kind of your personality built in.
1: And what about, um, how would you say... Well, cause I feel like we also have to adjust the Kaylee thing cause it was all happening at the same time. Yeah. Did that add, um, like what, how did that fit in to everything going on from your perspective?
3: What I felt like was the timing was just horrific. Her whole world was disintegrating. Little did I realize that the universe had a whole fun other experience in store for us, <laughs> um, just to show me how wrong I was, but, um, but it just seems so complicated at such an already, I mean, when you're, when your baby is so young, it's such a stressful time generally. And you were just going back to work yeah. and, and then Quinn died. And then Quinn died. I was like, okay, well, hmm. <laughs> there I go. Yeah. And in some ways, you know, you sort of have that weird magical thinking that you do, which is nuts. Like, oh, did I bring this on? Because I was thinking, I think I said to people this, you know, loss of her whole life turned upside down was the worst thing that could have happened. And I just remember after that thinking, why did I even think that? Of course, it wasn't the worst thing that happened. Kaylee's still a loving person. You guys were still going to have a relationship of supportive, um, a supportive relationship. I mean- It obviously brought a lot of perspective to all of that. And I I remember some of my friends saying, I'm not sure how you're handling it so well. I said, hey, Alina is being incredibly gracious and kind, given the circumstances. And I need to be at least as gracious and kind and accepting as she is. You're following her lead. I was of trying, if she, whatever she would give me now, I was, I was trying and I didn't want to make things worse for her. So like, even in the beginning, when I first learned and Quinn was still there, I was like, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to make Alina comfortable and Kaylee comfortable. Because like, that was paramount for me that they could be able to parent and not. Yeah. And be I do
0: think. Strained by that. I think I was, I tried really hard. I was very clear with you guys that like, she was Kaylee, mm-hmm. you know, we were, you refer to her as Kaylee. These are her pronouns. Mm-hmm. We don't know what it means for a marriage. You know, we're not calling her dad. And to your guys credit, you did the very best you could. It wasn't always perfect, but you definitely listened when really I, I was very clear about it. And you guys were very, you know, you tried really hard. We that, did. So.
3: I, I mean, I hope I hope that that was received in that same way by Kaylee as well. It, you know, it was, yeah. it was just so unexpected.
1: Understatement
3: of the world. Yeah. And so I I think it's really, it was very hard to just switch gears. I mean, obviously probably more challenging for Kaylee and I was very appreciative of that. And I thought I hated the idea that she was suffering. I knew that that must have been a very, very difficult road and may continue to be right. So I was very mindful of that. And I certainly didn't want to pile on to any distress she was already experiencing, but it it was hard.
0: So. Um, I, I want to ask you, do you, you know, if you were talking to another mom of a lost mom, what advice would you have for them? Or what are some things that you've learned over the last year?
3: Um, I mean, I don't know. It's a hard question. I'm not sure that I learned anything. Um. I mean, I definitely <laughs> would advise to follow the lead of the person. You know, I have a background in grief and bereavement because I worked in hospice. So in some ways I had a, and not even an intellectual understanding. I mean, I had a very lot of losses in my own life and have been through a lot of, a lot of bad, sad deaths. Um, and so it's not like this was like out of the blue. I mean, obviously this devastation of this particular thing was far outweighed anything else that had ever happened. Um. But so I just, I just tried to be there and tried to do what little I could. And it was hard to keep up the, it was hard to keep going in. And I've, you know, I've listened to you guys on the podcast when you say, just keep asking or just keep bringing or just, you know, just keep at it. If, if it's not going to fit this day for a visit or for a coffee or for whatever, just keep doing. And yeah. at a certain point, it just felt like it was annoying you more than than anything else. Um, and so it was hard to know, like, I, you know, you don't want to kind of leave you hanging there, but at the same time you gave me messages both verbally and physically a physical barrier of a door that like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, I mean, I, so I do think it's important to continue to do. And, and I think concrete
0: things are really helpful. Um, yeah. I remember I think I said to you at one point, like what I really I know you want to be there for the really emotional stuff. What I need you to do is the concrete stuff, is the concrete Mm -hmm. stuff, you know, like unloading the dishwasher. How many times did you load and unload my dishwasher? Yeah. Hundreds of times. Like literally for like six months, I don't think I touched a dish, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and you brought me coffee. You brought me and Kaylee coffee, as you mentioned, 22 coffee and a donut. When like, Susie was
3: vacuuming at your four four house four times a week, I think Neil, yeah, I think Neely been vacuumed at your house a couple times. Maybe yeah. you don't remember. I mean, your friends folding my laundry, yeah,
0: like that's really that was the stuff I really needed. And you really showed up for me mm-hmm. in those ways. That was what I really, really, really needed. Mm-hmm. I felt like the grief work had to be, I feel like I've had to do a lot of that internally in my own head, yeah. Um but yeah, I really needed the concrete.
3: Yeah. For sure. Um, and the concrete stuff, I mean, I do think that is really important. It's hard to take care of yourself after such a devastating loss, but, um, yeah, it was hard to, and again, I'm not really much of a, I mean, I do, I'm a, I do talk a lot, like Alina talks a lot, but when I'm working through something difficult, (laughs) I'm not really somebody who wants other people's feedback or telling me what to do. So you, you have that for me and also, um, I think even more so, but, um, I just wanted to be there, like just to be a presence and just to do something to like veg out with you or like we watched that glass blowing show. That was really great. And then once you, how many times did we watch, we watched that glass blowing <laughs> show like five times. I know what you're talking about on Netflix. Oh, so it's like addictive. Punishment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I mean, yeah, you know, you guys know this, having a child and Neil and I were just talking before, but he was saying, you were more worried about this than I was. Meanwhile, he was very worried about it. But I said, you know, I think you don't understand that your child's sorrow, happiness is great, but your child's sorrows, it's harder on a parent. It's hard to believe, but those are harder than certainly my own sorrows. Like my own sorrows, it doesn't matter. I'll just figure them out. But when your child is suffering, I mean, it's just, it's, it's really, it's awful. I mean, it's just awful to observe and to be so helpless and not be able to, and know that there's literally nothing that you can do.
1: And how would you say Alina's has changed
3: since
2: the death of Quinn?
3: Well, I mean, I know she says she's had anxiety her whole life, but I mean, her, she exuded bravery and self-confidence her whole life. Um, and, and so I would say that got shaken. I mean, her whole core got shaken. Oh, sorry. Her sense of self, I think, and self identity was really took a hit. Um, and I think, I think you really, you know, you, you lost the vision of yourself as a competent, capable, decisive person. So even, even within anxiety, you can still be all of those things. Right. Um, Rolina right. would like go out on a limb, she was not afraid of the dark, she didn't have like regular fears that kids have. She would go up and do like in musicals and do these song and dance numbers in front of audiences, and I was like, I could never do that. So in my mind I just never thought of her as having that much anxiety. Um, but you know, she comes by it naturally. <laughs>
1: You know, Alina, when your mom was saying that, when she was saying how you lost your sense of self a little bit and you're shaken, you know what I was thinking? I was like, that's my favorite part about her.
3: (laughs) (laughs) She's a mess. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) so, So along those lines, let me say one other thing that I have often thought about both of my children. Is that, and not like I wanted them to have a lot of sorrow growing up. I certainly didn't want that, but I felt I was worried. I had come from a pretty difficult childhood, um, which shaped me in many ways. And I often worried, it wasn't like I wanted them to have worse times, but I worried sometimes that had they had difficult enough experiences growing up that it would give them the tools that they needed if something bad happened, right? I just always worried about that. And I felt like, because I felt like there was nothing we could even go on. You can't really teach somebody that. It's something that you have to just kind of be exposed to certain things. And then you kind of realize, okay, here's how what, what I do to get through this and that. And I, re- I had always worried about that. And then, of course, really the absolute worst thing happened. Um, wasn't expecting that. Um, so that was, you know, that was just something I had kind of always worried about a little bit. And then,
0: I mean... What I'll say is I think I would agree with you. I feel like I had a fairly easy life up until this, which all happened at once. And I having been to all of this therapy over the last year, I I think the easy life was actually a gift and made it easier because I had. The opportunity to, like, I don't have 10,000 traumas going on in my head that I have to deal with. I have this one, I mean, it's two big losses, but mm-hmm. I have this period of time that is extremely traumatic, but the foundation of mm-hmm. everything else is really solid. And I can still really rest on that, even mm-hmm. with everything else that I have going on. So I think, in a way, that it has served me.
1: So. Well, you were set, you know, you started off from a different point, you started off from a, a clean right. slate than if you were working through childhood traumas and then you had a second one compounded on top of Mm -hmm. it. Right,
3: yeah. Yeah. And I did, but I didn't ever worry that she was not going to be okay. I just, Alina, you know, we moved to Europe when she was a kid. She like didn't want to leave and she got there then landed on her feet and was fine. She didn't want to come back to the United States. She got back she, first day. She was like, back with her friends, whatever. I just always viewed her as an incredibly yeah. resilient person. And I didn't really, honestly, I just, I never doubted that she was going to be really fine eventually. But I just, I knew it was going to take a long time before she yeah. felt fine. Yeah.
0: Is there anything that you've seen like a change for the better in me since the loss?
3: I think that, um, You're definitely more compassionate. I think you're more tolerant of other people's struggles. Um, I think when you were younger in particular, there was a bit of a, come on, just like buck up and get through it because, you know, it worked for you um so i I think that those are gifts, really I mean, and really honestly where do you when do you grow as a person? You don't grow under happy times like those are those don't yeah. teach you how to do anything differently or improve your life in terms of um your ability to be a whole person. It's the struggles that really that's where you grow unfortunately, that's the truth of it so um You were more of a, like, get things done and muddle, you know, get it, get it, get through it. Um, And now I think you're willing to sort of take the time and be able to say, you know, this is what I need. And I'm going to take care of myself and I'm going to make myself a priority. And, you know, I think those are good things.
0: So the two questions that I want to ask you at the end, the first is if you could share a memory of me as a mom to Quinn. And then the second would just be a memory of Quinn your,
3: your... Oh, videos of him talking to me and you know um he was really like a regular little person you know becoming a regular little person
0: there was construction and he's got startled at one point yeah yeah When you go <laughs> construction and he's like
3: looking at you. him to just be like it's okay he's so sweet so cute and so active like just bouncing around that i am um i feel sad that dad that neil didn't have that experience yeah. um but i am so grateful that i had it Cause it's a really good memory. Um, And so for you as a mom, I think it was so gratifying to see, I I don't, it's hard to explain what it's like to have your child, have a child way more than I even imagined. I mean, I I have never felt joy like that of um, seeing you as a mom. And I just, I loved how I know that there were struggles. I know things weren't easy, obviously, you know, in any case, you know, with just the sleeping, the breastfeeding, all that stuff. But you seemed, you seemed so joyful. And that was really special to be able to be part of that and see that.
0: I was really joyful. Yeah.
3: I mean, he was really something else.
0: Any last questions, Judith, before we go?
1: It makes me sad that I didn't get to meet him.
3: Yeah. I mean, and my sister, you know, there are people that are really important to us who didn't get to meet him. You know, my sister, Carol, never got to meet him. I know that um, you know Neil will say there's no good pictures of me with Quinn because, like, the one day we were taking pictures when I was up there is like I was in sweatpants and I hadn't showered, and he said it just it you know he'll say yeah it never occurred to me that that was it like it just never occurred to me and um, you know he was even saying the other day he goes I think I cried every day for all of last year at night when I would go to bed because he felt so sad for yeah. you and you know, because of the baby. And- For himself. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It really, I mean, it affects the whole family. It's just so bad. You know, the whole family,
3: everybody is really, you know, has really struggled a lot
0: at various times.
3: So it's been hard.
0: Well, thank you for all of the support, the practical support and the little bits, the the (laughs) emotional support that I've let you give me. I knew if I needed you, you'd be there in a heartbeat.
3: Yeah. And that's what my friends kept saying. She, she, you gave her everything she needed, Michelle. Like you and Bill gave her everything she needed. She's fine. I mean, she'll be fine because you gave her what she needed. So I don't know. Do you feel like the podcast has been helpful? Like I know
1: for my family, like they have a window into my brain. Yes.
3: Well, first of all, I think the podcast has been very helpful. It seems like, Judith, I don't really know you well, but it seems like it's been super helpful helpful for the healing for both of you. So that's also, I like that it makes me feel really good. I will say this part, you're going to probably edit out. It felt very, very difficult to get my information about how things were for you in a public forum. You know, I think when you first, Judith, you probably had a different experience with your parents, but Alina gave me a very strict guideline. I'm going to share this with you. I mean, and she didn't do it right away, right? I'm going to share this with you. I don't want to talk about it. So like, I knew if I heard something on there, I couldn't really, I couldn't ask. I couldn't say, I couldn't follow up. I couldn't, that was really, that was really hard to feel like I was one of the many listeners. Um, so that, you know, yeah. so I think it was a blessing personally. I think it was a blessing for you guys. I'm, I am am so glad you guys found each other. I mean, I just, yeah. very um, amazing kismet. We both feel very lucky to have one. Yeah, I think it's, that's been amazing. I'm going to tell
1: you the lost mom world is a hot mess. Not, not everyone's a good fit. No, I know. (laughs) know. You don't know what you're getting out there.
3: (laughs) I think it's so interesting that you guys are obviously, and it's very clear on, you know, I don't, I haven't met you before, but it's very clear on the podcast how different you guys are and how you, how wonderfully close and supportive you are of one another. It's really nice to see. Um, and helpful yeah. you know as a parent to sort of feel like okay so she's you know she's
0: somebody's got it yeah got her <laughs> at
3: some point Judith I wanted to ask Alina for your phone number because I thought well if Elena just at some point isn't doing great and she's refusing to let me in I'm gonna just text Judith and say can you check in on her? Cause she seems really not well? Yeah. And I- I'm happy to talk to you, but if I asked her, she'd be like, no, I am not giving you Judith's number. You do not need to be talking to Judith about me. So, um,
0: yeah. you can have Judith's number. You can call <laughs> her anytime. But I,
3: my out. in-laws do the same. My husband's
1: like, like Alina, very much like Alina. And yeah. they never know what's going on ever, mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they call me, but really only to know how he
3: is. Yeah. Just- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just think that's really true. <laughs> but that they're only. Question. No, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know. But
1: um, anyway, it was such a pleasure. Oh.
2: Mommy, I can't see your screen. Failed oh. to start video. Wait, that's probably me. Okay, wait. <laughs> what do you mean? Cannot start video. Oh come
3: on,
1: Judith. I think there's something wrong with your video, but don't worry about it
3: now. Just log on on your phone. Oh, Hi, contact. I'm so sorry. I just wanted to get on, my charge. I just realized mom. it might not my phone that might not last. Okay.
0: Mom, I'm can loud? You walk, can you be further away
3: from the microphone? Is that what, I mean, I'm not that close to it. I'm like, I'm like 18 <laughs> inches away. Is there a it's way for me fault. to turn it down? What if I talk really quietly like this? A little bit of an, an animated oh, wow. Italian person. I'm not going to be able to talk. Quietly. Why is it so loud? You can hop You're off, ready? but just How keep your browser you? open for wait, the Wait, wait, don't do
1: anything. Okay? Just, just. Wait, she can't even hear you. She's going to
2: log off.
0: Wait, no, don't leave. Okay, no. Um, can you text her and just tell her to leave the browser open?
1: Oh my god, my phone is dead. Hold on, hold on. She's Alina, can you call her? Your phone is alive. Yeah. Just Hi, say keep everything Alina. Open. So just say keep
0: everything open. Don't keep close your computer. Everything open. Browser open to upload the audio. Mom, is there, seriously, is there any way you can be way further away?